0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 20th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Privacy and technology are often at odds, and how courts handle that will be dealt with in a pair of upcoming cases at the Supreme Court it could have huge implications for government snooping. Jim Harper, senior fellow at the Cato Institute, argues the vast amount of information carried by modern mobile technology demands legal justification for searching those items.
1: The Supreme Court has been, for some years now, working to reconcile the protections of the Fourth Amendment with the advent of new technology. And it's clear that they want to see that privacy is not eroded by new technology but they don't necessarily know how. So we've been briefing the court, including in the Jones decision, which came down in January of 2012. That case dealt with whether law enforcement could place a GPS device on a car and track it for four weeks straight, generating 2,000 pages of information about the movement of the car without a warrant. The court unanimously held that law enforcement cannot do that, but they were divided as to reasoning. The majority, opinion written by Justice Scalia, uh, focused on the use of the car, that is the attachment of the device to the car in combination with the tracking. That was a search that required a warrant. Justice Alito wrote for a a, a four-member concurrence saying that that didn't make any sense, but the reasonable expectation of privacy test would apply. And it was unreasonable for, for government to do this. It invaded a reasonable expectation of privacy for government to do all these things. The court is going to continue to grapple with these issues in a pair of upcoming cases to be, to be argued in April. Um, and they deal with whether law enforcement can search a cell phone simply because they've taken it from someone who's properly arrested. Part of an arrest is to take all the things from the person that's arrested uh, simply to inventory them, make sure that the person uh, isn't going to use a phone as a weapon or anything else on their, on their person. Can law enforcement search a phone just because they've properly seized it? This is an issue that we briefed the court on in the first of the two cases, Riley versus California. So uh, just to try to bring this
0: back in time a little bit, if somebody – if the police sees a
1: notebook that you have, to what extent can they just – can they thumb through that? It's actually not clear under, under prior precedents. Certainly, the police can't search any place uh, in your house if you're arrested at home. The Shamel case says that law enforcement can't just search all around because they've arrested somebody. If somebody has some papers on them and it's not a major intrusion, I think the courts might allow the law enforcement to look at those papers. But cell phones are quite different in the vast amount of information that they carry. And we ask the court to look very specifically at each seizure and each search that occurs in a law enforcement stop. Each one must be justified. And we argue that the search of a phone is a distinct act from seizing the phone and the search of the phone must have legal justification. It must pass the test of the Fourth Amendment, which is to be reasonable. Now, cell phones today do a lot more than your
0: telephone did 20 years ago. It connects to papers
1: and effects that are far away. Well, I think that's an open issue, whether or not those are papers and effects. And actually, in asking the court to be very specific and precise in its ruling, we asked for a ruling one that a phone is an effect. Now, under the Constitution, uh, the Fourth Amendment, um, persons, houses, papers, and effects are what what are protected. The court has held that a car is an effect. The court has held that a trunk is an effect. It's a, a a travel trunk. There is no court ruling we could find in any court saying that a telephone, a cell phone, is an effect. We think it is, but we think the court should take the time to be precise and say that it is. In addition, we argue that a cell phone contains conceptually separate and distinct papers and effects because phones, including the one in the Riley case, have photographs. And Law enforcement looked at the photographs in the phone. Those are analogous to portraits or drawings that you might have seen in the founding period. Obviously, phones have emails in them. They have text messages in them. They have lots of material that is highly analogous to communications from the founding era. One case in a, in a uh, circuit court of appeals, war, the Warshock case, has found that emails are the equivalent of postal mail and should have that Fourth Amendment protection. The Supreme Court has not so held. We argue that the Supreme Court should hold that. And
0: what about the other case?
1: The other case is called Worry, It hasn't been fully briefed to the court yet, but it will be argued on the same day. And in this case, the facts are slightly different. And I think it's good that the court paired these two cases because exploring the details of the two cases will allow for a better exposition of of how the Fourth Amendment applies. In this case, Worry, uh, the the law enforcement had once again taken a cell phone. This was a more, uh, more mundane flip phone. But the phone continually rang while it was in law enforcement possession. And it said on the outside of it, my house. Law enforcement officers flipped open the phone and looked through the phone to see the telephone number of my house, then used an ordinary reverse lookup uh, online tool to find out where the house was, went there to continue their investigation. Was that a search? I believe, and my thinking is still in flux on this, that the, the my house displayed on the outside of the phone was available in plain view. It wasn't a search, look at this thing. They properly seized the phone and then what this phone happens to display, they're entitled to take cognizance of. But was flipping open the phone a search that was distinct? Was the search justified? We're going to look into that and when we brief the court in Weary, we'll decide whether that was a search or whether it may have been a non-search or possibly a reasonable search because of the limited intrusion that's made when a flip phone containing quite a bit less data about a person's life is accessed by government officials.
0: Jim Harper is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.